Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote-unquote summer body, as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury-free, and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hi, Feisties. Well, it has been a exciting and huge week here at Feisty Media because our new course, Strong, which is powered by our partner Prevenex, is going on sale starting this week, Wednesday, August 23rd. 
And we've been working hard with our experts to make the best course possible. And I really want to share with you a little bit about why we chose to create a course about strength training for women. For a really long time, like years, we've been hearing and telling people, women in particular, that they need to lift heavy shit. But what does that really mean? Like, does Pilates count? Can we use kettlebells or dumbbells? Do we mean a barbell that's like loaded up with 250 pounds? How many sets do we do? How many reps? And we also know that the gym, um, especially lifting gyms, can sometimes be an intimidating space. I mean, I know I feel self-conscious about my form all the time. So where do we start and how do we fit strength training into everything else we are doing, like running or cycling, triathlon, or just our busy lives in general? And answering all these questions is basically why we created this course. The course itself is shaping up incredibly. Our experts are amazing. And it's not just about lifting. It's not just a program, but everything someone would need to know to support their lifting journey. So it includes information about goal setting, the physiology of strength training and how it affects our muscles, tendons, bones, and hormones, how to think about our strength program through the different stages of our lives, like puberty, midlife, pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, and postmenopause, a lot of those areas where we may not feel entirely supportive in most strength programs on the market. We also talk about how to fuel our lifting program and how to remain injury free. And finally, we offer the lifting program along with everything you need to make the program suited to your needs and lifestyle. Each module is presented by an expert in their field, of course, and today's guest on the podcast is one of those experts, Cassie Neiman. Cassie is the owner of CAS Strong, a barbell strength coach, and the lead You Can Row 2 master rowing instructor with Concept 2. She provides online coaching through Barbell Medicine and offers in-person training sessions in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So last weekend, Cassie flew up to Victoria, where I live and where Feisty HQ is, and we recorded 60 videos that are all part of the course. We show you every movement from body weight to dumbbell to barbell, so you know exactly what to do. During today's conversation, Cassie and I talk about why women in particular need to lift, what is the right age to start, how much do we really need to know about proper form before we start a lifting program? How important is flexibility and mobility as part of our strength routine? Uh, we talk about how we fit in a lifting program if we're an endurance athlete. How does that fit into our training? And all of this is coming up right after we hear from the people who make this podcast possible. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. 
and I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Cassie, hi, so good to see you. Very good to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so glad you're here. I um, you know, I like to start every almost every time. I realized I have a um something that I 
ask every guest almost every time, which I haven't really acknowledged before. But as I'm right, as I was writing the questions for you, I was like, oh yeah, I do kind of start in this place. And it's because I think like as women or like, I think that we find um, sport to be empowering in our lives. Um, And so I like to ask people when they first come on, like, were you an active child? Did you play sport? I know you're like a multifaceted sports woman now, but where did you start? Well, I I actually do believe that like, I, I, I don't think that I'm totally unique. I just know that I approach sport as an adult differently because of how much it was involved in my life as a child. It was like epically involved in my life. Um, and a lot of times I'm coaching or working with people that it was not. And so I, I have really come to acknowledge that my experiences may be different than many of the people I reach out to just for the exact reason you said, like, uh, when you ask that question, one, I think it's really cool because you're, you're not asking if they were involved in sports, you're asking how, you know, and so Mm -hmm. you're kind of coming at it from a different angle. I like that. Um, but I started gymnastics when I was two and I (laughs) wasn't, yeah. And, and, and that's nothing, right? Lots of kids start when they're usually they start when they're three, somehow my mom got me in earlier, but, um, many kids do that. The thing was like, by the time I was six, I was competing and I was at an elite level in high school. And I like to say that I retired when I was 15. I had a very dramatic experience and that just mentally gymnastics is super hard. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but I do believe that it was very like fundamental to my, my growth as a person and also as uh, having a relationship with sport and movement. Um, and I, I just feel like that has been a running guide throughout my whole life. And so sometimes I have to step back and really see that I might come to sport now as a mid 40 year old, um, 43, I should say, I don't know how you said mid forties, right? Oh, <laughs> mid forties. There you go. Mid forties. That's for mid- those of us like me who are like 47, like as I'm creeping yeah. towards 50, I'm like mid forties. I'm in yeah. <laughs> I'm almost 44. Um, but you know, I just, sometimes it's important that I, um, acknowledge that, that difference, but I did gymnastics, like I said, and it was my life like uh-huh. everything. And then uh, I ended up doing track and field in high school once I quit gymnastics or retired, I should say. And it just seemed like a safer alternative at the time, like when your brain is growing and your body's changing a lot. And um, and then I, and I really enjoyed that. I was a sprinter and a jumper. And then when I went to college, I started rowing and I have rowed ever since. And that's been like kind of my running sport. Um, but, uh, and now I lift and, and I guess like now my sport choice might be powerlifting, but I feel like powerlifting is a segue into a lot of other strength sports. I just did a Highland games event. You did, (laughs) which is like, what did you, did you like do the taper toss and all those things? Okay. What are the events that you did? That's so fun. (laughs) And you know, that's the exact thing. Like it was fun and it wasn't, Um, I do have to admit like going in strong obviously gives you like a leg up, but like you really just, it's the skill of learning how to do those things. But like, for the most part, it was just like fun and like very doable. So, um, we've 
I'm, I'm going to fudge all the names. They have very special names, but yes, one was the caper toss and that one was just thrilling to like pick up a it's, telephone It's essentially like a tree trunk. Yeah. A telephone <laughs> yeah. How much does that big weigh? Well, they're all different. Okay. They have like funny names. I think this one was called like the hernia or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, they have all different sizes and the way it works is you have like an entry uh, size that's generally smaller. And if you can flip it, then you can go on to the next, it's kind of the qualifier. And if, and then you go up, up a level. Right. Um, And so it was just, that was super cool. And it's also, you know, everybody's drinking beers and they're at a festival and there's bagpipes and uh, you're wearing a kilt. You have to wear a kilt. You have to wear even the women. Yes. Wow. Everybody has okay. to wear a kilt. Yeah. Okay. Um, then there's a, uh, it has a special word and I can't remember it, but it's essentially like shot put. You're throwing like two big stones. And again, you have a small stone and then a bigger stone. And Are they actual rules. stones? Yes. Like, yes. These have been like brought out of the woods into and, like, yeah. This is amazing. Those are the like fun parts of it. And that like, they are never going to be the same, like event to event and what you practice with will feel different. Um, And then there's, uh, you're essentially swinging what feels like a kettlebell over a, over a height. Um, That was kind of scary because you're afraid the kettlebell is going to fall on your head. Right. But it's just, it's like a weight attached to a chain. And then another one where you're spinning with a weight attached to a chain and then you let it go. I mean, seriously, it's horribly dangerous. Like, <laughs> I'm going to take somebody out. Um, and then there's a hammer, which is essentially like a PVC pipe with a big like lead ball on the end that you whip around your head and then you let it go. And they, they wear these things called murder boots that are like boots. boots. Yeah. They're like a boot with like a a knife that sticks out of the front. So you can stick your foot into the ground. It's, it's a wild sport. And I have to say it was just so much fun and everybody was like, so welcoming. And it was just, I was, I felt capable of just doing it. Right. Because you feel like sometimes from lifting, and that's what I was going to ask you about next is like what you love about lifting. And what I've really been noticing recently is that I am, especially this summer versus last summer, because I'm out doing more active things ever, I'm stronger. So like, actually it's less, it's just less difficult to like carry, like camping, I can like carry two paddle boards down to the water, like where the kids Mm -hmm. can't do it. I'm like, no problem. I got it. Like, whereas previously I would have been a one paddle board at a time kind of person, you know, like little things like that make it make a big difference. I just feel strong and capable and I would love to throw it toss a taper or a <laughs> throw a rock. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, that's the thing, right? Like you just have this increased capacity, this, this internal trust in your body that it can mm-hmm. do the thing. And I had, uh, I convinced some other women in the gym to join me and some of my clients and they're like, Oh, I don't, I can't do that. I've never done it. I'm like, I've never done it. Like <laughs> right. we're going to learn together. But the thing is, is it's just a display of our strength and in a fun way, that's just different enough. And I mean, when it comes to powerlifting, that's, I've certainly done many powerlifting meets and I, I enjoy that type of competition, but sometimes you get really niche down, you know, and you're, you're like, oh, if I don't do this, then I'm a failure. Everything I've done up to this moment has, you know, been for naught. And so when you get to do something that's fun and you're like totally out of your comfort zone and you're like, it doesn't 
sister. And it's, yeah, it's just fun. But I think, yeah, that's one of the things I love about lifting is it just makes me trust in my ability to do hard things. Yeah. And does that, you know, does that apply mentally as well? Like, do you feel like it crosses over? Like you can do hard things with your body, therefore you feel more capable more broadly, like emotionally or mentally or the other things in your life? hundred percent. I've been having this like growing, um, realization about, because I, the best thing I, about coaching is I get to interact with people on a daily basis and really develop relationships with people and get to know them. And I coach people online and in person, and I love both. I get that relationship in both, but when I'm with someone in person, one of the things that I've noticed is like the way that people respond to a heavy bench press Mm -hmm. is somewhat similar to the way that they respond to a challenge in life. Right. And I don't, I don't think this is like, like, it's just anecdotal, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like I had one client who, you know, after a while, after a couple of weeks or, you know, month or whatever of kind of building up in weight and doing the same movement again and again, we get to a point where it, it really gets challenging and they might fail. And I had one client and the bar came down and she thought to herself, I, I can't do it. And she just started giggling. And I was like, wow, that's your like response system. Like that you just start laughing. I kind of relate to that a little bit. actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we had this whole discussion about how that's actually how she reacts to things in the world. She, she tries to minimize the, the threat, right. By like, by laughing and like kind of, um, you know, turning her side to it. And, and, and so it was a way for her to say like, okay, this is what I do. And she was working on that in, in her normal day-to-day life interactions with people, her relationships. And so it was like almost, I don't want to say like a safe space, but it was like, okay, we know this bench press is coming. We know it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. How are you going to react this time? And not that like a heavy bench press is going to solve all your problems, <laughs> but I do think like the way that we deal with a challenge, the way that we deal with hard things inside the gym totally has a carryover to the way we deal with things when they get tough and like just learning how to overcome obstacles, build habits, um, talk to people. Uh, I require my clients to use RPE, which is a rating of perceived exertion, which is super nuanced and they have to think about it, their feelings. Right. And so like you have to develop this like well-rounded response to what you're doing. And I, I just, I totally think it applies to the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think I've, I often think of like sport. It's kind of like we say, it's like a microcosm of society or a microcosm of life. Like we talk about things in that way, you know, where we talk about, I used mm-hmm. to do Ironman triathlon. We talk about like an Ironman, it's like an analogy for life or whatever. But I also think to expand on that, it's like a safe, like sport lifting too, or sport. It's like a safe place to learn those skills because ultimately like the, like what happens if you fail on your bench press? nothing honestly <laughs> the repercussions just like what somebody rescues you from under the bar you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and, yeah. and whatever but it's a good way that's a place it's like a safe space to learn skills mm-hmm. um like you just said right where that then could be applied to the real world when actually your challenge might be like anything something as difficult as like making sure you've got food on the table or like overcoming 
the a death of a loved one or something that's like a real legit challenge. Um, so that's part of why. And I love like what you said, like with lifting too, because it's, it happens so quickly. Like you don't have to do an entire Ironman triathlon to like help. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you can just be like, get under the bar, <laughs> you know, and how True. well am I doing that? Yeah. And I also, it can also be like super small things too. I, you know, one of the, one of the more important things you can do when you start training is just be consistent. Right. And oftentimes building a habit is the hardest thing to do. That's why there's gazillion books about it. Right. And, um, everybody's trying to hack it, right. How do we hack building those habits? Um, and this is a real testament or a, a real experience where if you just keep showing up, you see the change start to happen. And that's what, you know, even why I said, when you fail your bench press, what happens? Nothing, because really it doesn't matter, right? Like whatever you do on that one day doesn't matter. It's really mm-hmm. this like culmination of all the days that starts to build up. And I think it's a, an opportunity to really see that happen. And then you can apply it to other things because once you decide, okay, I'm going to go to the gym every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that means you know, you have to like pack your lunch or pack your bag or whatever. And then some other habit gets created and then some other thing happens. And so that's where I think it can like spread out into the rest of your existence. (laughs) But I I think that, like you said, it applies to kind of any sport. It's just, we're really good at setting goals for active things. I think not, probably not everybody, but a lot of people are good at like, I'm going to run a 5k in January. And so then they do the thing versus like, I'm going to save money or I don't know what it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think we should learn more how to apply those things that we're learning into others. Maybe that's, maybe that's our next feisty course. (laughs) Great. I I will sign up. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Why is it um, that women in particular, like, why do you think women in particular need to lift? I think everybody needs to move their body, right? right. And women are no different or aren't different from everybody. Right? <laughs> right. They're, they're no more special than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what is, instead of thinking about it from that perspective of like, why women especially need to do it. It's more like everyone needs to do it. It's just historically women haven't always been invited to do this thing. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's not like, uh, they're going to get some extra thing from it that everybody else won't. It's just, we all need to be using our body and moving it in different positions and creating stresses on our body to make it adapt and make ourselves feel capable. And that applies, like I said, to everyone. Mm -hmm. Specifically, we get those kind of same benefits and that like, it's just going to help us build a stronger bones and have a higher bone density. We reduce the risk of injury or illness. It's not, uh, taking away that, uh, you will get injured. You will get sick, right. That's still going to happen, but it just reduces the risk. Mm. Um, and again, like none of these things are specific really to women. It's just, it's important to everybody. It's just historically those things haven't been applied. And so we often kind of fall on these things that make it 
um, more special, but everyone, everyone benefits. Um, I guess it kind of goes back to why I love lifting, right. Is also this feeling of like empowerment that you get from doing this thing that perhaps in the past was not available to you. And I think that's, that's super exciting. I love seeing people change their perspective around of like, oh, that space is not for me. I'll never feel comfortable there to all of a sudden that's their community. That's their space. Um, And so that's a super exciting part of, of training to me. And then it's just um, at a time when we're often told to take up less space, be smaller, be quieter, things like that. Strength training in general is loud and you take up space and you're taking up space sometimes in a space that wasn't meant for you or wasn't built with you in mind. Um, So that can also like create a different approach to everything else you do in life. Um, And then, uh, you know, we could go down the list of all the things that we know of like, like I said, like the bone density and you're stronger and you, you're, uh, you know, you'll potentially change the way your hormones are interacting and your metabolism and all those like kind of spice words that like get people like, right. But again, they're all just ways to like level us up to where everybody else has been all this time. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, women, especially in our generation in particular, like we were told, like, we don't want to get bulky, (laughs) right? Like, I know we've like, I, I know that's kind of been debunked. Um, in various places, you know, but, uh, is lifting going to make us too bulky? What even is that? What do you think about that? So I think, um, first of all, I really want to be bulky, right? Like bulk me up, right? (laughs) Sign me up for more muscle mass. Yeah. Um, and so I think there, I approach this very differently than I used to when I first started strength training, I would be like, oh my gosh, you're not going to get bulky by strength training. That's so ridiculous. Like you pick up a dumbbell and you're going to, you know, turn into a man, right? (laughs) First of all, I think one, like that setting, just projecting so many things onto that person and not really listening to what they're thinking about in their head. First of all, why is it so bad to be bulky? Why is it so bad to look more masculine? Um, so we're, we're negating the feelings that some other people might have. And I don't think that's where I want to be coming from, but I used to, to respond with that like knee jerk response. And now what I do is, um, before I say like, oh, that's not going to happen. I kind of ask why, like, why are they concerned about that? Right. Maybe they are someone who actually does gain a lot of muscle mass really fast. There are people that do that and they have, uh, you know, they don't like that and that's fine. Right. And then there are other people that approach it from, they don't want to look bulky because is it the way they feel about their body, the way they feel about gender and roles, do the, the way they feel about, um, you know, strength training in general, that maybe this isn't some, it's some sort of barrier that they've put up, whether it's real or, or imagined. Um, and I, I think it's an opportunity to dive deeper into whoever you're talking to and really just ask why like five times. 
right? Like, well, I really don't want to get bulky. Um, is strength training going to make me bulky? And say, well, why, why don't you want to get bulky? And they say, well, I just don't like the way that I look. Well, why not? You know? And so then you kind of dive deep down into this, like, well, I actually just, I don't know. I mean, I guess I really don't mind if like my hands have calluses on them. I just, you know, maybe some guy won't want him to hold my hand. And I'm like, well, do you want to hold the hand of that guy who <laughs> right. doesn't want to hold your hand because you have calluses on your Yeah. Right. Like, so I think sometimes you just have to dive deeper and, and it's again, just like another barrier that's just like been put up. And so when someone comes to me with that, my first question is like, well, why, why is that an issue? And, and just dive deeper and learn more about that person. Um, and in the end, to like really answer the question, you have to work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> really hard to get to a point where your body composition really changes. Mm-hmm. And it's going to involve nutrition and a lot of training and a lot of time and a lot of desire, like mm-hmm. absolute passion and desire. And if you don't want that, you won't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but exactly. again, a lot of people don't know this walking in. Yeah. And for me to immediately come at that person with their like perceived barrier of, I don't want to get bulky with like, that's not going to happen. That's stupid. Why are you asking that? Of course I wouldn't say that. Nobody says that to anybody, but sometimes it feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that puts up another barrier for that person. Like, oh, you don't know anything at all. Yeah, no, totally. And then like another myth that I'm perplexed by a little bit, like, and I actually don't know the answer to like, is there any age that's too young to start lifting? You know how we used to think that like teenagers shouldn't do it. I forget how it was going to mess them up specifically, but, but what is the current sort of take on that? Like what age is good to start lifting? I don't think that there's really like a magic age or any sort of like standard, um, I do think that like movement is beneficial at every age and kind of introducing lots of ways, a variety of movements is helpful. I don't think that, and this is coming from someone who did strength train at a very young age because in Mm. gymnastics I did. Mm. Um, I don't see any problem with anyone doing it at any age, (laughs) really. I think that when it comes to training, because there can be a different way of looking at uh, training versus exercising and training is maybe, you know, following this like regimented program with kind of a, a progressive overload. That may be something that we reserve, we kind of check readiness, um, but like have a little checklist that mm-hmm. you're mature enough to kind of do the habit. Uh, it seems fun. There, there may be a goal. And generally that seems to be in that like teen years, but before then, I think you, there's plenty of opportunity to have fun with barbells, with strength training, with dumbbells, whatever it is. And I guarantee you we'll see it everywhere. You know, kids are doing it with, in their sport. Um, so I think it's like a very nuanced answer. I don't think there's like a specific, um, but I think it's resistance training. Strength training is just like kind of one big piece of a puzzle. There's, right. there's so many other activities that we want to introduce and have movement. And 
um, my three-year-old will bench press with a little PVC pipe and he, you know, thinks it's cute. And I've seen four and five-year-olds do deadlift competitions. And Hmm. I think it's an opportunity to just try all the things, but it should be focused on fun up to those teen years, I think. And so then we can kind of start to develop that like training behavior. Right. Um, That makes sense. But again, that's kind of like my, I guess this is all my opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's fair. That's what you're here happen, for. I'm happy to train a ton of kids, but I have right. trained some kids and uh, in their teens. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've found it to be a really rewarding mm. job. And it's mostly about having fun and you have to really kind of rely on the fluctuations that are happening in those ages too. So yeah. You know, I, I've been doing CrossFit for five years now. So I've seen like a couple of teens come into the gym and kind of progress through like CrossFit into like sort of young adulthood. And wow, like they, it's a, this is a very special group of young, they're all women, actually, of young women who are, you know, like the next, it's like, I, I have faith in the next generation because of, you know, the various things that these young women are and who they're becoming. It's, it's pretty amazing to see. I will say that like there is sort of a an important part of training that should happen like in your 20s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we want to stress the system in those younger ages because we kind of develop our our lasting bone health in the right. that time frame. And mm-hmm. so it's not like if you didn't do it in your twenties and now you're starting now, you're totally screwed. Mm-hmm. It just means that if you have the opportunity and I would, and this, in this case, I would say, especially women, because we're more prone to mm-hmm. osteoporosis. And I just think that with, you know, particularly after menopause, when estrogen levels drop and things like that, um, we can better prepare for it by preparing, preparing earlier, mm-hmm. um, but again, that doesn't mean that that 20 year old needs to go out and like lift super, you know, heavy weights. It just, I think there's some importance to movement in that, that younger age frame, because it does really kind of set you up for the later years. Right. Um, but yeah, it's of course never too late. Yes. Well, and I think <laughs> one thing, one thing like, you know, and we talked about, um, when like younger being ourselves being empowered when we're younger as well that I just wanted to like emphasize too that like no matter where you are how old you are when you start like you're always going to be better than yourself (laughs) you know and that goes for like your bone density is going to be better than what your bone density would have been or your strength is going to be better than what yours so it's always that kind of because most of us aren't entering powerlifting competitions and so really it's just about being our best selves um so I just didn't want to dec- um, discourage yeah. anyone <laughs> it's like oh, wait I'm 40 and I'm just starting yeah <laughs> right and you know it's it's all about uh something is better than nothing and mm-hmm. you know just meeting yourself where you are um we can't go back we can't change anything so you just uh get the benefits of it and and you move forward with it yeah and another thing you know that stops I think stops a lot of people from um starting even is this idea that like we need to have we need to know and understand proper technique before we start a lifting program so how important is that really overall 
the emphasis we put on this, like proper, even the word, right? Proper, perfect, or, you know, the right, correct form is not, it's not validated, right? We can, Mm -hmm. we can start somewhere and more than likely a lot of the injuries, a lot of issues are happening from like a load and titration standpoint of like loading up too fast and, and kind of doing a lot more weight than is necessary or at that moment or what you've adapted to at that point. Um, and so when we put up these barriers of like, you should do it in this way first, or if you're not doing it right, you're going to get hurt. That just keeps a lot of people from starting and we just need people to start. Um, so it's always helpful to reiterate that proper form is not as like dire to just begin. But I also know that we're, you know, doubtful people that get in our heads and we get worried and, and we're, you know, we have so many anxieties and just to add this other thing into it. So I think there is some benefit to like educating yourself in a way so that you do feel better going to start. So, you know, I acknowledge that there is a benefit to having that description of a form that is efficient, that works for most people and following that because it builds confidence and gets you capable of taking that first step. But even when you're doing it, you don't have to be perfect and nobody should expect you to be perfect. You're just practicing. You're just learning. And I think the the thing I enjoy about strength training uh, in the way that I train folks is, is generally the rep range is small, you know, somewhere in the range of like four to eight reps at a time. And we're doing somewhere like four to five exercises for like weeks at an end and that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it just becomes this like repetitive routine Mm -hmm. of like, we're doing the same thing every time. And so like you were starting with barbell training, you might start with empty bar and you just do the empty bar and you do you know, three sets of five reps or something. And then the next time you come in, you add a little bit of weight and you do the same thing, right? And you're just trying to create a repeatable movement pattern. And ultimately what it comes down to is efficiency. And that might look different on lots of different people. And there's also just like so many different ways to squat, so many different ways to bench press. I mean, I go into the gym and I see 12 different kinds of deadlifts. <laughs> you know? um, so I think there's things that work for some people and they don't work for other people. And it's really about finding what works for you. And that kind of sucks when people hear it. Cause then they're like, well, then there's no rules and nothing matters and I can do whatever I want. And that seems overwhelming. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go into like Costco and you're like overwhelmed by all the things you can buy, right. Versus going into like a little mini Mart and you have one choice of like one little milk. Um, And so I think people like that, but then we also have to be flexible so that we can get people started. I guess, I don't know if that my Costco metaphor. I I loved your Costco (laughs) metaphor. I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm a bit like that. Like, like, give me (laughs) give me the one milk to choose. Not that I find it like overwhelming, but I'm just like, I don't care. I just don't care. Just tell me how to do it or tell me which milk, yeah. <laughs> which, milk. you know, is, is like the broader discussion of like the internet. It's just, it's just, everything's out there. You, 
Google it in one way, you'll get this answer. You Google it another way, you get that answer. And I think that's where a lot of people feel stuck, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, well, you can just do anything. You can do any of these things and they're probably fine. And so I think having like a trusted source and having someone who says, you know, this is, this is what we think works well for most people. And you can start here, but still building in that flexibility, building in that, like, give yourself a little bit of grace. You're not going to be that good at it when mm-hmm. you get started. That That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to get hurt because of it. So it's finding that balance yeah. between it, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the answer for everything. Yeah. And the other, I mean, I'm guessing this is going to be a similar answer, but the other thing that we've sometimes hear is like, before you start lifting, you need to do this six week mobility program, you know, and that can be limiting too. Cause like, I didn't want that. (laughs) I wanted to start lifting. So like, how does mobility fit in or flexibility? How flexible do you have to be before you can do a deadlift? (laughs) Well, what I have found that is if somebody walks into the gym or they, and they sit down and talk with me and then they stand up, they could probably do all the things I'm going to have them do. Right. Amazing. Yeah. And I mean, that's not, uh, there are definitely like certain exceptions, of course, but like true mobility means just like the ability to move and being mobile enough to move in the patterns that we're being asked to do in most strength training kind of programs. We, we already have that movement pattern. And I think the term mobility has been kind of like construed and like exaggerated in the fitness world. And it kind of sells us on these various interventions or tools or things. And it's just, it's sexy. Right. And it's also like, it's like safer in my air quotes, right? Like it feels safer. Like if I spend time doing this, then I will get hurt. And again, that builds into, goes into that like fear narrative. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that again, is just putting up barriers to getting people started. And so I think it's, it's again, another, we're trying to be perfect, right? You're trying to be this like perfect mobile person that doesn't really exist. And we can still move with the body that you have at this moment. Mm -hmm. And while you're strength training, your mobility in those movements will improve because it's happening under a load. And then when it comes to things like stretching, like we might get like this kind of short-term relief, but it's not, not at all proven to improve performance, um, or prevent injuries. It's just like not scientifically based. Um, and so if it feels good, do it right. I'm never going to be like, if somebody's stretching and they're like, it just really makes me feel good. Like I can then get under the bar and squat. Great. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Awesome. Love that for you. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm probably not going to prescribe a whole bunch of things when in without the presence of some interest or, you know, need for that. Um, So yeah, I, I think it's better to kind of focus on like a specific, you know, task and, and that movement and kind of build from there. Um, and that is more proven to increase performance and mm-hmm. things like that versus the mobility. But again, like 
I only know what I know. And then there's always going to be exceptions and there's always going to be times where we need those things. And if you want to do a backbend, you're going to have to practice backbends, but you're not going to get a backbend from doing barbell squats. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I want to ask you, you know, we have a lot of audience people in our audience who are endurance athletes. You said you're like, you're a lifelong rower. I know you're a rowing coach. And I want to ask this question in two different ways, because I think we often struggle to figure out like how there's a lot of talk about this in the fitness industry, like how we combine strength training and endurance training. Right. So like, first of all, if you are a an endurance athlete, primarily, like those are your goals, you're maybe running a marathon or you're doing a triathlon, then how do you best fit strength training into your kind of weekly program? Well, when I approach this kind of situation with most of the time I'm working with like individual athletes, if they come to me, so I can kind of individualize it based on like their needs and what they're specifically doing. But like, if we speak about it more generally, if you're coming in with some other movement pattern or sport, that's like the priority First of all, we kind of, hopefully if you're coming to me, you've already kind of bought in to the fact that strength training might be like the game changer for you. Um, but if not, then, then we, we start there, right. With kind of figuring out like how this might help you excel in this, your sport of choice. And the double benefit of that is that like, also it will just help with your overall health and, you know, aging and moving forward and that the other things you want to do. Um, but I, and I think for most people, if they're already bought in, then we don't need to, to start there. But I think the, the goal is to figure out a way where that strength of training is more of like a complement to their endurance training. And it's not causing additional fatigue and stress. It's simply kind of uplifting as you go. And I often find there's a, there's certainly like a, an overlap period of time where you have to adjust and adapt to those changes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in the beginning, we have to be like really clear up front about that. Like, Hey, you're about to add a whole bunch more stress into your training journey. And so there might be some ups and downs there. And so you kind of have to come in with that, that perspective, but for the most part, like if I had to pick like four or so things, it would be, I'm going to prioritize compound movements. So I'm going to pick things that are going to work multiple muscle groups at the same time. And those are, you know, your squats, your bench press, your deadlift, your overhead press, maybe some lunges, things like that, that are kind of increasing overall general strength and stability. So that's just going to allow you to become more efficient in whatever your other activity is, which is probably knowing your community and endurance activity, (laughs) right? Um, And then we'll certainly look at that like frequency and volume. And so this kind of depends on like what kind of sport you're participating in and how, what season you might be in. And so if you're starting strength training, adding it in, you may pick a season in your other sport that has like a little lull, right. Or you might be able to prioritize the strength training just honestly. So you can just like do it as many times as possible. So you get better at it, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you only do it once a week, you're, you're going to forget. And so you just want practice. And so you have to think about like when you started practicing swimming or, you know, you practiced it a lot. Um, so it's kind of the same idea, but generally I think you can, you can fit in strength training two to three times a week. 
I think that's great. You're going to focus on quality over quantity, right? So we're, we're looking at getting the most bang for a buck, which takes us back to those compound movements. And anything less than two days a week, it, again, it's just not enough for you to keep up in a new thing. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've been training, strength training for a year or more, and you go into a big high season for your other sport, you might be able to drop it down to one lift a week and kind of maintain, right? But I think in the beginning, you kind of want to like give it a little more three days a week. Great. Optimal. Doesn't need to be more than that. That's totally fine. And I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to train four days a week and do this and do that. And it's just, it doesn't need to be that much. Um, the, the third thing we would kind of focus on would be just like recovery, right? Recovery and periodization. So we're kind of looking at the way, uh, you're responding to it. How are you adapting to it and making sure that we're allowing for enough recovery from the two sports and maybe arranging those practices, uh, at different times, some people might prefer the strength training to happen first because it's just kind of requiring a little more of their focus. It's a new mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It also might be happening at a higher intensity if you're like an ultra marathon runner, right? Like I'm not an ultra marathon runner, so I know nothing about it. So I probably shouldn't say anything more, but <laughs> maybe most of your stuff is done at a lower intensity for longer, right? Um, but kind of focusing on that recovery and then, you know, adjusting that program to align with, with your phases of, of training and those schedules. Um, and then the, the fourth thing I, and I've said this before in like this community, but like the individualization of the program can come later. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't so, where right? I expected you to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> So what works for the triathlete and the mom who is six months postpartum and the, you know, ultra marathon runner and the, you know, person who's never trained before, Mm -hmm. I generally would train them all about the same Mm -hmm. in the beginning Mm -hmm. because one, it's all about getting started Two, it's just about learning the movements and like slowly building up and three, we're just, we're just looking to get you stronger than you are right now in this very general way. And so your strength training does not need to look like your sport. Right. And I think that's what we get really caught up in is that yeah. mm-hmm. I'm very special. I do this one thing and I need to get better at climbing the hills in the 50th mile of my cycle or I, you know, or whatever it is. And in actuality, you would just benefit from getting stronger. And that's not to say like, if you get your own individual program, like that's like a waste of your time. And like, no, that's also real. That's great. Awesome. Right. But it's not necessary. And when you think, oh, I need this special thing just for me, then it puts up the barrier. You're less likely to do it, right? It's not there ready for you to grab. Um, And so I think that is sometimes not fun to hear because you're like, well, I'm just like everybody else. (laughs) But it does make it easier to just start because here it is. Here's the program. You can do it and you can do it and you can do it. So it's just, uh, beyond that, it's just finding that, striking that like right balance, right? Between your two different movement patterns, 
communicating, listening to your body, you know, paying attention to stress recovery and all those things. Um, but then it's also just, just get started. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting what you just said about it's not specific. I, I just, it's a specific individual. I kind of, I totally buy into that, but, um, I'm thinking about my own journey, like as an athlete, like near the end of my Ironman career, um, I had a coach who noted, like I used to ride with her. Right. And she was like, you know, like you are using your engine to climb the hills. Like you're not using strength in your legs. Like you're using, you know, and she's like, I suspect if we make you stronger, you will ride better. It's very simple. Like sometimes the observations are just as simple as that, you know, like I have spent, you know, probably 13 years of a pro career without anyone kind of going, wait, you're gearing down and spinning. Why don't we try like slightly higher gear and see if we can make you stronger. Right. Like, okay. Um, and so then, and same thing, like the way that we, that was, um, the only year of my career that I had a very structured strength program. Right. And it's like in the winter, the off season, it was, it was the least, it's like the time of the least specific. Right. So like, um, the least, like my, I could do an all around strength program that made me strong, just like a stronger human and a better athlete. Right. And then as we, and we kept the strength in all year because it was helping me and it did help me be a stronger and faster rider ultimately. But like when we got closer to the race in those, um, in those weeks, I might be doing like essentially only squats and lunges, <laughs> you know, like the things that were most specific to where I needed to improve. Mm-hmm. And when we would put that together with say like a long ride. So I might do the squats and lunges in the morning and then do my like three or four hour zone two ride after that. And that's just like, it was like, that's the most specific thing for my sport where I'm on the bike for five hours. Right. So yeah. like, that's the kind of like, and it's like, that's, there's nothing special about that program. There's nothing special about squats and lunges, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think, you know, that's exactly like the kind of progression that you would expect too, right? Like you, you just generally start. And then as you continue and grow, even if, if your only sport of choice is strength training, right. Which is a direct line to powerlifting. Um, but it it doesn't have to be, but, um, it still gets more specific. Right. And, and there are, there's certainly arguments about it. It's like an hourglass, right? You start very general and then you get more specific. And then as you get so specific, sometimes you need to do like weird things, like more general things. And that actually makes you better as you get even more advanced. Right. Right. So I kind of like to think of it as that hourglass shape, Mm -hmm. right. Which is probably the same way you entered your sport now. It's just, you're in the center of your hourglass right now. Right. And so you think everything has to be in the center of that hourglass and it doesn't, it's, it's a different thing. And hearing you say like, um, we could switch to the higher gear and like, you're going to get stronger. Like you could do only that, right. You could switch to the higher gear and like always cycle at the like harder setting. And that would probably increase your strength, but as your coach knew, and as you know, you probably know now is getting off the bike and doing something that has you creating more force against an external object is going to get you more strong, Mm -hmm. faster Mm -hmm. than just the cycling. And so that's kind of where I'm like, it doesn't need to be specific to your sport. The strength training doesn't need to look like your sport. Right. 
And, and sometimes it's, it's hard to convince someone because they're like, well, how does this apply? Right. <laughs> then you can, the strength isn't, it's not specific. Strength is not specific. <laughs> it's so interesting. Yes. So it's, getting someone off. I deal with this all the time with people in, in rowing too, because rowing is very similar to cycling in that there's a damper, or at least the concept two rower where you can put the damper up and it pulls more air in. Right. It's like a gear setting on a bike. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, I'll just, I can get a lot stronger by rowing at this, you know, elevated pulling in of air, you know, height. And it just, what it does is it could allow for like a breakdown in form. It's not necessarily the most efficient way to row and it's probably not the most efficient way to cycle. Um, and so you, that's why you want to kind of pull it away. Mm-hmm. So I guess if there was one like thing, it would be strength is not specific. Interesting. So then when you say that specifically, like specifically what would, so if, <laughs> if I'm doing squats and lunges to improve my cycling, like what else would I, what non-specific things would I also add to that program? Well, I think anything leg related there, right? Okay. Like in the beginning, that's, that's kind of where we're going as you, you became more, uh, strong Mm -hmm. and you were applying it specifically to your cycling, it became more specific in that you kind of dropped out some of the upper body things that weren't clearly carrying over because we're trying to not only be efficient in the sport, but also in like your time and your, your capacity and what you have, you know, room for. So that's where that, you know, you kind of do get more specific. Um, and it, and it may be at the time you do things that you do cycling with the higher gear, um, because you've adapted to that stress. You're more prepared for that stress. Uh, but I, I think that in the beginning, which generally is where I'm talking to people, (laughs) because if you're, if you're like, how do I start strength training? Mm -hmm. The answer is it doesn't need to be specific. Right. Right. If you've been strength training for years, and you're also, you know, elevated in this other sport. Yeah, it probably does need to get a little specific and you need your own individualized plan. But in the beginning, it's just not, not as necessary. Okay. So speaking of <laughs> people who are at the beginning, <laughs> um, we're working on a secret project. This is like a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're new to strength training, um, how do you get started? We're working on, okay, I'm going to tell everyone we're working on a new feisty course. Cassie is a big part of it and it's called strong. Um, and essentially we introduce you to all kinds of concepts about strength training, including like what physiologically exactly what's happening phases, like life phases in terms of what to do if you're uh, midlife or postpartum or perimenopausal of that stuff. And then we get into some very specific, um, the technique stuff that we talked about before, like just that mm-hmm. introduction to like, how do you do a squat and those kinds of things. And then Cassie has provided um, a program as well for folks who want to get started. So um, yeah, what have you found? What what is Tell us what's great about the course. Why is it a good place to start? <laughs> Super plug well, here. <laughs> well, I, I think, it, you know, if we go back to like, if you're new to strength training, how do you get started? Right. Mm-hmm. So 
you get started by starting, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so it's, you just have to start. You have to s- just take action and begin. And what we've tried to do, what we're trying to do is, is create entry points for that starting, right? We, we don't need you to overthink it. We don't need you to go out and buy a whole bunch of stuff if you don't have it or you don't have access to it. You can simply just start with yourself, your body. Um, and ultimately the goal would be to kind of progress from there. And so again, the, the most important thing is just to start. So find your starting point and we will have multiple starting points. Mm-hmm. The second thing I would say that is kind of what I've been talking about is just like, you have to just embrace imperfection. Mm-hmm. And I think this is some somewhat mm-hmm. applicable to your group too, because I know you do have a lot of athletes and really high level athletes that I've come across. And so you're at a stage in your, your career where you're, you're good at what you do, right? You're like, I know what I'm doing now. And this is all new and you're not going to know what you're doing and you're going to feel like a idiot and you're not going to know what bar to pick. And, you know, and so the key is you just have to really just be open to learning, listening to your body and like just making those adjustments as you go. It's, it's not going to be perfect. You're not in the middle of your hourglass. <laughs> right. Right. And when I, you know, I think about myself, like when I was in my twenties and I was at university and I was in this, like kind of, I was in university in Edinburgh in Scotland. So it's not like an NCAA program, <laughs> right? but we were in kind of this little mini elite athletes program or whatever. And I remember hearing, uh, we had a speaker series and someone said all elite athletes, no elite athletes should be using like the Nautilus machines. Like you should all be doing body weight stuff and barbells and dumbbells. And I remember like looking at the like barbell area and thinking like, I don't even know what to do in there. Like I would, I would feel like, I like nobody taught me. Right. So it was like, my strength routine was like 100% in the Nautilus area where it was like very clear, the little pictures that tell you what to do. You know, (laughs) like I would, I wasn't going to walk in and pick up a barbell, like what? So I think like part of it and part of the course too, is like designed for like that person who's like to bridge that gap between the scariness of like, what is the gym? What do I even do, you know, with this equipment? Um, just like to take away all of that stuff too. So like you mm-hmm. have this, you feel empowered to go in and go, okay, I know how to start. And like with your reminder, it's great, Cassie, like that it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Like you don't have to feel like everyone's criticizing your deadlift technique. Um, right. You can just go in and try and practice with just a barbell and, and that's, um, and just feeling empowered to do that. I think that's a big point of what we're trying to do. Yeah. I think, you know, another thing would be like, begin with exercises you enjoy or exercises, you know, mm-hmm. right. That, that can also be a, a way to kind of get started, but going back to when we were talking about like that proper form and, and that kind of barrier, mm-hmm. what we are trying to put out into this program is here are ways that you can do it. So you do feel comfortable trying it, right? So you're not just picking from some wide array of internet videos and being like, which one's the right one, right? We're going to say, this one is a good one. Mm -hmm. Try this, Mm -hmm. right? And then if you determine that doesn't work for you, 
we're here to help you, right? There's always going to be additional help to help you through it. But for the most part, it should generally apply to, to everyone. Um, and so that's kind of like, to your point, I'm like, yeah, just start, just do it. Just go grab the barbell, do it. And you're like, oh my God, a barbell, which barbell? <laughs> yeah. And those <laughs> plates, the plates look so scary when you don't, you, I really didn't realize there's like ones that are only 10 pounds, sometimes even five pounds, right? <laughs> you're like, I just look at Olympic lifting plate. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's crazy. Right. So I, you know, that's the other part. Like we're going to say here, here's some different barbells. Here's how to know what size that barbell is. This is how to pick the best one that you want. And, you know, it's, it's going to be the the best you can do over, you know, a, an online course. But if you can walk into a space and feel just a little more confident in the choices that you're making, then we've, we've done our job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, again, that fine line between like, just start, but also here's some information that will make that a little bit easier for you. Um, and then as you go through the program, like the ideas that were gradually increasing intensity. So, you know, where that starting point may be, if you're starting with a body weight or you're starting with dumbbells or you're starting with a barbell, all of them are still going to increase intensity over time, but it's still on your call. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if you started with body weight, you can imagine that your, your body weight's going to tap out at some point, right? Because you only have so much body weight. And so the intensity increases as you kind of progress through the different types of programs. And so it's, there's, there's multiple ways that we can do that, but that's, that's kind of an important part of this is we want it to get gradually harder, heavier, the challenge, because you're adapting to the stresses that we're applying. Um, And throughout that process, yeah, you need to like, listen to your body, but you're like, what the hell does that mean? My body's like, I hate this. I regret all my life choices. And so we give you more qualitative ways to determine what's appropriate for that weight or that uh, selection for that exercise. And so instead of it just being very nuanced and based on your feelings, we can look at things like how fast the things are moving, how many more reps do you think you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you apply that. And, and again, just like learning to squat, that takes practice. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess one of the bigger things I think with providing a program in this way is that we're providing some level of consistency to the process and that we're we're giving you something for an extended period of time that you can follow and you can repeat and you can build on because once you kind of learn those uh, ways of auto-regulating the weight on the bar, you can kind of continue the process for as long as it works. And then in the end, uh, if you get to a point where it doesn't seem to be working anymore, then you will hopefully feel more empowered, more educated to then reach out and find the thing that does work for you or that keeps it going. Mm -hmm. But if you're here, you might not know that you don't know what that looks like. You don't know how to ask those questions. You don't even know what the questions are. Right. So hopefully at the end, you'll have an ability to ask the questions that you need to get answered. And then I would say, I think I said this before, but having a, a trusted resource Mm -hmm. is so helpful 
because if you're here and you're already listening to Sarah, you've already listened to other things, right? So like you, you have developed some sort of uh, trust in, in this, in this group that you can then put a little bit of that faith in and you can move forward with it. And then also it's not uh, just going to disappear right? There's people behind it. There's support there. There, We have very specific ways to get more support, very specific ways to say, I, I've done the thing. I started the thing. I did it. I picked up a barbell. I went to the gym. I'm doing my deadlifts. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to trust to tell me if I'm doing it right. We will tell you. Mm-hmm. We have ways for you to get those forms checked and and then feel more comfortable in moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. So it's you don't have to do it alone. Absolutely. So those are the big things. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. So the course is called Strong. Um, it we are recording this well before. So it's going to be on womensperformance.com. Um, just go under courses and we will put that link into the show notes if you want to check that out. Um, Cassie, thank you so much for being here. How can You're we, welcome. how can folks follow you um, or find, you know, more programs from you? Well, I work with Barbell Medicine. So I do all my online coaching through Barbell Medicine and they are sort of my largest resource and uh, for all the things. <laughs> and we have an array of templates And what you will find there is not going to be all that different from what you'll find here with us. And it's a great kind of next step. And so that's kind of, again, a really helpful part of this program is that like, again, it's not just a one solo one and done kind of thing, right? We're really setting you up for like a lifelong way of training. Um, And I just, I think that is just immeasurable. Mm -hmm. And when you're, again, have this onslaught of things out there that you can pick from. But uh, so I work with Barbell Medicine, teach people online all over the world, even if they've never lifted before. And then I see people in person in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I run small group strength training. And I love just kind of building community around it. And I'm sure you have the same experiences in all the sports, but this one's no different. It can sometimes feel a little isolating Mm. when you're just lifting in a gym alone, but um, there are ways to make it more a bigger community around what you're doing. Um, and you can find me at my website, which is just cassieneeman.com and on Instagram at cassie.neeman. And yeah, I'm kind of all around these days. Amazing. Well, we will throw and oh. one more thing. Yeah. Also, I do put out a, a ton of rowing content with you can row too. Um, and so I, while I don't compete in rowing, I don't, uh, there, if you didn't know, there's no water in Albuquerque. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> I just moved here two years ago and sadly there's just nowhere to row competitively. So I'm, I don't get to do that anymore, but I do spend a lot of time on the rowing machine, mm-hmm. but, you know, kind of finding that balance between those two modalities. And, but I, I do put out a lot of content about rowing in as an efficient way as possible. And so that is with you can row too. So, yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you. This is great.